0: Hello, New Life family. I'm really glad that we're able to worship together, even in this form. And, you know, the, the truth is that our God is worthy to be praised. Wherever we are, any time of day, he's worthy to be praised. So I just ask you right now to join us where you are to worship our God together.
1: I will not be overcome Through the valley of the shadow I'm not afraid to I've been strong and I've been broken within moments.
0: I've been faithful and I've been reckless at every band.
1: I've held everything together and watched it shatter.
0: I've stood tall and I have grumbled in the same breath. I have wrestled and I've trembled to surrender.
1: Chased my heart and, drift and drifted home again. on a blessing till I've been desperate to
0: find redemption. And every time.
1: don't deserve this kind of love, but somehow, this kind of love is who you are, it's a grace I could never had to be somebody you still want, but somehow,
0: Borrow breath is yours, Lord. Take it all. You
1: are faithful and you are gracious, and I'm just grateful that you don't need a single thing and stick you on my heart. I love is who you are, it's grace I can never add, to be somebody you still want, it's all I-
0: great father in heaven who loves us so deeply what an amazing gift that we could stand here and worship you despite being sinners separated from you because of our sin and our rebellion and our mistakes yet you made a way before we even knew you made a way for us to love you what an amazing gift and an amazing unfathomable love that that is to us we love you God and we glorify you in as much as we can we glorify you father God though we know it falls short of what you really deserve we glorify you we praise you and we love you in Jesus name amen well thanks congregation so much for joining us in worshiping our great great God now let's hear your message
2: Hey, thank you, Eli and the team for leading us in worship today. And you know, I love that line in that song that says, you love me as you found me. And there's something so powerful in that because I think for most of us, we spend so much of our lives trying to be good enough, trying to earn that and to know that wherever you are, wherever you've been, God's love for you was right where you were. And he's got more for you than that. He's not content just to leave you there. But there's something so grace-filled about knowing that his love is right where we're at. So I hope you can lean into that today. Well, I want to welcome you again to our online weekend service, and one of the things we do as we start is I want you to get your phones out. This is your opportunity to text someone, just a word of encouragement to let them know you're thinking about them. So over these next couple minutes, as I'm sharing a few things with you, make sure you're texting someone and going outside of your four walls. Also wanted to let you know that when you go to our website, newlifecc.com, you'll see all of those icons for resources, whether it's for note sheets or uh, discussion questions. There's stuff for students and kids. There's a there's a weekly devotional you can follow along with. And so make sure make sure you check that, that out. Also, if you need prayer, make sure you text the word prayers. You're gonna see it here on the screen to 30500. And know that every single week, we take your requests, whatever you send in, and we're praying for you. And that's what family does together. So uh, whatever the need is, just make sure that you let us know that. Also, uh, this is the moment where we kind of pause in our service and we have an opportunity to respond back to God. Because as we do this, this is not just simply a, a passive moment of just simply watching. Uh, whether you, you know, you're doing that at home or on your phone, or, or even when we finally are able to gather back together. Maybe you came uh, on a Saturday night uh, a week or so ago. But however you do that, it's not meant to be a passive thing. We engage with this. And this is where we respond in our generosity and our giving Back to the Lord. Uh, I was reading this week in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, and you know, when Paul is talking to this church and he's talking about the resources they have. And he said, I want you to decide for yourself how much to give, to, to literally make that choice. And then he says, and, and to do it then, not begrudgingly, it's not that kind of roll your eyes and think, well, I guess I have to. But he says, do it joyfully. And then he, he uses these words, and you maybe heard this before. Because God loves a cheerful giver. and we think of all that God has done to say, God, I get to do this with you. I get to respond in faith. I get to respond in obedience. I get to join in together in all that you're doing. And I just want to say thank you so much for your response back to God of faith, of uh, generosity, of expectation of what God wants to do, Uh, you can do that through our our website. You'll see the Give icon. You can do it through our app. Uh, You can also mail it in. You'll see the things uh, right below me. And however you choose to give, it doesn't really matter. Uh, What matters is our heart in responding in joy and giving back to God. Now, I want to tell you one other thing. Uh, We started on June 27th, our Saturday night outdoor live service, That's a little bit later in the evening, it's a 7.30. Uh, give us a chance to cool down just a little bit. And on this 4th of July weekend, of course, everything is online. But starting next Saturday night, uh, we're going to be gathering every Saturday night. If you're interested in stepping into that third lane, you know, we've talked about these three lanes. One is watching online at home. One is, uh, the second lane is watching with friends and family members, maybe your life group, and then connecting together. That's a great lane to be in. And then the third, of course, is our gathering together live. And that's happening on Saturday nights at 7.30 in the quad grass area on our Turlock campus. And if you're ready to kind of take that step, we'd love to have you come and join us, starting again next Saturday night, July 11th at 7.30. And every Saturday night uh, they on until we kind of know what's, what's happening. I will say this, um, as far as we know right now, all that is still on. We know that day by day, week by week, some of the guidance from the state and the county can change. But put it on your calendar. We're looking at July 11th to be back with that again. Well, before we jump into the message, I want to take just a moment and pray. This being the 4th of July weekend, of course, it's a weekend of celebration of our independence and our freedom. Uh, But I think in the climate that we're living in today, uh, so much more to, to thank God for all that he's given us, but to pray for unity, to pray for our nation. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, we come to you right now, and we are grateful for all that you've given us, for the freedoms that we enjoy. Uh, God, just, we look around the world, and and so much of that is, uh, it doesn't exist, and we often take it for granted. But today, Lord, this weekend, we just want to say thank you. And Lord, we want to thank you for the the spiritual freedom that you offer us—not just from uh, a government or from uh, anything like that, but, but, Lord, from from sin and from those stuck places we've been in—and and you you come and you say. Uh, I have freedom for you. And Lord, we just want to thank you for that. So as a nation, we we are grateful. As your people, we are grateful. And Lord, I pray on this weekend of independence that you would lead us in a place of interdependence, that we would encourage one another, that we would walk in unity together in a time when there's so much polarization, there's so much pain, there's so much hurt. Lord, I, I pray that you would heal our land. You would unite us together. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're accomplishing. And Lord, in these next few moments, as we open up your word, I pray that you would make it come alive to us and it would reach into the deepest places of our heart and our soul and draw us close to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was a couple months ago we started this series called What the World Needs Now. And I know some of you uh, have told me you've sung that song, What the World. And your kids look at you funny, like, "Where are you getting that from?" But it's a song, an old song. But it was this whole idea of what, what does the world really need now? And we've been looking at the fruit of the spirit that the apostle Paul uh, writes about, and how really, when we look at what goes on in our culture, we look at what happens in our communities, and our families, and our lives. How desperately the world is looking for for God's fruit for Uh, his his goodness and his peace and his patience to flow into every single circumstance. So in Galatians 5, here's been our key verse. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, we looked at last week. And on this final week, we're looking at self-control. And then he says, there is no law against these things. And if you have been with us every week, I just want to say congratulations. We have made it to the end of the Holy Spirit's list of attributes that make up this one fruit. And I don't know about you, but this has been instrumental in so many ways during the challenges that we've been facing. Not only about what the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate and grow in me, but also my responsibility with how to use and how to put that fruit into uh, into play for him and for his kingdom, and I want to encourage you that if you have missed any of these messages over the last several weeks, go back uh, they 're on youtube uh, they 're all archived there. you can go to our website, you can find them. If you want to rewatch one, you can you can do that too. but my hope is that you would continue to grow in your faith through this so this week we 're looking at self control and i 'm sure all of us has probably hundreds of stories of where self-control has been not quite uh, there for us. So I'm going to give you two examples for me. One, I was thinking back when uh, I was probably in elementary school, probably later elementary school, and I have an older sister. In fact, she may be watching this. But we got into something. I don't remember what it was about. But I'm a pretty easygoing guy. But I was so frustrated with her. And we were on the driveway of our house. And we had a basketball hoop up there. It probably had something to do with playing that. And she just ticked me off. And I remember grabbing my sister and just never hitting her, but just wrestling her. And I threw her into the hedge. It was just, it was like this total lack of self-control because I was so frustrated with that. You've maybe had moments where... Maybe frustration or anger or whatever has gotten the best of you and you've just kind of lost all control. Here's one that happened um, just, a, just a week or so ago. So on Father's Day, we, uh, we made an apricot pie. And so we had that for Father's Day and my son and family came over and we had that and it was, it was great. But we had a little bit left over. So the next morning, I got up went for a run, came back, had a cup of coffee, and I'm looking at this leftover pie and thinking, you probably shouldn't have pie in the morning, right? But then I'm looking at it thinking, it's kind of like fruit and toast, really. So it's kind of breakfast-y. Now, I was Now, I was just kind of playing mind games because I know it's not really that great for you. And that little part of me was going, have control, don't eat the pie in the morning. Well, just so you know, the pie is gone. It was eaten in the morning, and I think I had another piece for lunch, and all that self-control just seemed to go out the window. Now, we can laugh at those, but we know that self-control has deeper issues. What about the self-control issues that have deeply affected uh, our lives, our future, our relationships? When self-control has been lacking, how many relationships have been wounded or broken? How many marriages have, have been hit for a loss? See, we fight this internal battle all the time. Forget about controlling my schedule or my kids or my finances. The truth is, I have the hardest time controlling me, controlling myself. So today, we're on this last flavor of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm actually really glad that Paul put this at the end because this is one of those topics that just kind of smacks you right in the face. But before we dive into it, I want to make sure we're all on the same page as to what self-control actually is and how it's connected to the Holy Spirit and how this can be taking root and growing in us. Now, I don't think we need some big fancy definition because self-control is exactly what it sounds like. It's the control of self. But here's where it gets nuanced, because it's not just by me and my own strength, but it's by the Holy Spirit who begins to lead and guide and control those parts of me that tend to be out of control. Proverbs 25, King Solomon wrote this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, when King Solomon wrote that, he's not talking about a city with, you know, houses that are in disrepair. And if you've ever driven through a large metropolitan area and you end up in a place where there's a lot of abandoned homes and buildings and boarded up, he's not talking about that. When he's talking about broken down walls, he's literally talking in ancient times of a wall that was built around a city. And that wall wasn't just for decoration, it wasn't just for architecture, that wall provided protection, it provided care, and it provided safety. That wall literally was the ring of defense around the people. And Solomon was saying that when self-control is gone, when it's absent, when it's just not there in our situations, we are at the whim and the mercy of every temptation, of every power Of every enemy that wants to direct us and control us think about it this way we have no defense and there is no protection or safety for us and i think some of us have felt that way some of us have felt like we're powerless against the desires and struggles that that we battle against but here's what i want you to know today and this is why This fruit of the Spirit is so powerful. We serve a great God. We serve a forgiving, a grace-filled, and a powerful God who not only will guide and lead us, but who will restore what's been broken and what's been wounded in us. So I do want to give you a quick definition to connect with this weekend, and I think it could help us um, not make the same mistakes again and again if we learn to let him guide us instead of ourselves. So think about this. Self-control is to look beyond what's convenient and what's easy, or maybe even to say what's right in front of us, and instead to pursue what's eternal and what's good. Here's another way to maybe say it delayed gratification for me in the moment leads me to a better and more Christ-like reward. Self-control is saying no to maybe what's driving me right now and instead choosing God's way, choosing his leading and guiding in my life. See, there's actually a a spiritual danger when talking about discipline and self-control. And if we're not careful, it can become a very me-centered attribute of something we did rather than something that God is doing in us. This is our opportunity to give thanks and praise to an incredibly good, good father and say, thank you so much for giving me strength, for growing self-control in me enough to say no one more day. And to say yes to the things that are right. I couldn't do it without you. It's, it's that kind of gratitude. It's that kind of, of praise and thanksgiving. God, I can't do this without you. And you desire to do this, this work in me. It's self-control. Jesus even said this in John 15. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, You can do nothing. And when we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to to allow self-control to take root in us, he will do it. And when we're honest and humble enough with God to surrender our control to his control, we're giving him permission to have his way in us. But God is giving us a choice, options, as to who we will trust and who we will follow. I want you to go back to Galatians chapter 5 our key verse, right? Verses 22 and 23. But what I'm going to ask you to do is back up just a couple verses. And if you have your Bible out, this is a great way. Just back up a few verses because I want to read you where where Paul leads us into that fruit of the Spirit. Here's what he says in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Let me pause there for a second. Here's what he's really saying when you choose to control and to manage and to lead your own life that you're going to be your own god you're going to handle this on your own you choose your way above all others he says the results are very clear sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures idolatry sorcery hostility quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And we look at that and think, man, that's what we see all around us. That's what we, that's what we see when we, we pick up our phones and we read the news feed and we watch it on television. It's, that's what we're seeing because it's saying, I'm going to control me and I'm going to do what I want. And Paul goes on to say this, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the reason why. They're establishing their own kingdom. They're saying, it's my kingdom and it's my way. And they're rejecting God's way. But then... In the very next verse, he goes on to say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, right? This is what we've been reading all along. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He gives us the exact opposite, a different way of living. So how? How do I do this? Do I just wake up tomorrow and say, today, God, it, it's, it's your leading, it's your control, it's not mine. And it just happens? I think there's, there's something more to it than that. That's a great start. But I think God is calling us into something deeper. He's calling us into something lifelong. A moment by moment, trust, surrender, and walk with him. So let's look at a few things together. Write this down for number one. Controlling myself begins with denying myself. Controlling myself begins with denying myself. Now, if you really think about that, you're going, wait a minute. So if I'm denying myself, how does that control myself? See, here's the thing, and we're going to get to this over and over again. It's what the Holy Spirit is leading us in. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You must give up your own way. We say it a lot around here that it's it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's about making him famous. It's about taking the spotlight off of us and look, look what I've done, look what I can accomplish and instead pointing to him. Self-control is having control not to say what I want to say and instead speaking what he wants me to say. It's, it's having control to not react or respond how I want to Remember, we just read in Galatians 5 that, that selfish ambition. Instead, it's saying no to that and allowing him to lead and guide how I it respond. It's having control to, to not go to those places, whether it's physically or on the internet or wherever it might be. But instead, it's allowing him to guide what I take in and digest into my own soul. Look how serious Jesus was about it. In Matthew 5, he says this. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust gouge it out and throw it away. Now, when Jesus spoke this, this was in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure his followers look, were looking at each other going, what did he just say? Like, I was supposed to, what? God, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Gouge out my eye. I mean, I, and I could see them in those moments pausing and going, oh, oh, you don't mean that literally. But this is serious, isn't it, Jesus? Jesus was using this this picture that was so outrageous to let them know how serious and how deep the consequences of sin and kind of, I'm going to be my own God and managing my own life. He's telling us how deep this runs. He's saying, if you want to follow me, you have to put down your preferences, your motives, your way, your feelings about it, your agenda behind it. He's reminding us that it's not about us. And I have to deny myself for what I want to do or what I want to say or how I want to live in the moment because that that sinful side of me, that side guided by me, will win every single battle if I, if I choose, if I just say, forget it, I'm going to do my own thing, it, it'll no longer be a battle. It'll just simply be my selfish ambition. If I choose that rather than him. And that's why it's so important to know that it's a daily moment by moment journey that we're on. In the book of Genesis, we read about a conversation that God had with Cain the, Cain and Abel, the, the sons of uh, Adam and Eve. And uh, Cain was a farmer, and Abel became a shepherd. And at harvest time, both brought a portion of their of their work, of their uh, kind of excess. They brought it to the Lord as an offering and sacrifice. Abel brought the best of what he had, and it pleased the Lord. And Scripture says that Cain brought some of what he had. And in Genesis chapter 4, Here's the conversation that God has with Cain. It says, The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. And the Lord asked Cain, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, in other words, let me just say this, if you choose to go your own way, to push God to the side, say, I'm going to do it my way. God says this, then watch out. And This is such a graphic line. He says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. You must subdue it and be its master. What God said to Cain 6,000 years ago, or however long ago that was, allowed him to pause and then choose a response. His choice led to some severe consequences, And I'll tell you this, every single time we face those temptations, every single time we face challenges, there's a moment of pause, isn't there? Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's just a split second. But we all know when we face that temptation, there's this moment when we could choose something else. There's a moment when we could say, not that, but this. This. And all too often we say, "Ah, oh, forget it, or it's too hard, or I'm just going to go with what I know. And We do all that, but there's this moment. And can I tell you this? That's a Holy Spirit moment. It's a Holy Spirit pause when you can choose his way rather than yours. And the Holy Spirit wants you to take that moment to give him permission to lead and guide yourself and lead you his way. And he's saying, will you, will you allow me to do that? Will you trust me in this? And I tell you, this isn't just a, a 21st century thing. Obviously you see it all the way back in Cain. The apostle Paul had the same kind of struggle. Here's what he says in Romans seven. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I wanna do what's right, but I can't. I wanna do what's good but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. You ever feel like that? I want to do the right thing, but I just, I feel like I can't. I want to do the the good thing, but I just don't. And I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I find myself going down that road over and over and over again. That's the constant battle that's happening. My will and God's will. My way and God's way. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself and you surrender to me. That's the true control. That's the true place of blessing. That's the true place where we experience life as we want it to be. We say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. Which leads us to the second one. Self-control is trusting the promises of God. Self-control begins to take root in us when we fully believe and truly believe that the promise of God is greater than the promise of sin. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that what God offers is better than than what you get in a self-controlled, self-filled, I'm choosing my own way life? See, if you go back to our definition, self-control means to look beyond what's convenient and easy in order to to pursue what's eternal and good. Temptations and addictions and and other things that, that tend to imprison us, that that challenge us, that that strip away our freedom. Always come with a promise, right? You'll feel good in the moment. You'll like it in the moment, or no one's going to find out. Just, Just do it. It's an instant gratification, and we pay the price for that. There's a consequence that comes. We've sown a seed, and now we reap the harvest that comes from that. And if we choose the promises of our sinful nature, if we plant those seeds, we're going to reap the the harvest of that sin. We're going to reap the consequence. But if we choose the promises of God, if we plant those seeds, if we allow that fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, all that we've talked about, if we allow that to take root in us, we begin to reap the harvest of blessing. We reap the harvest of God's goodness. And as I said earlier, this does include us saying no to some things. And it also includes us saying yes to some things. The struggle to control our words and our actions, our motives, our attitude, and our thoughts comes down to us saying, God, I want to trust your promises in this. Because see, it's not really us. It's him at work in us. And we know that that on our own, we can't manage this. And I I wanna make sure that I overemphasize this. Self-control is not your control, it's not my control. It's moving out of the way and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct myself. It comes back to those challenging words that we love to hear but we struggle with, which are surrender and submission. And we think, ah, that is so hard to do, and you're right. But that's why Paul said this in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He'll even give you the strength to follow through. He'll even give you the strength to surrender and submit. You may think, well, Dave, can't I just get along fine with the eight other ingredients of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Can't I just go for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness? Isn't that good enough? Why do I have to end up here at at self-control? I believe there's a reason that Paul saved this for last. I think it's because if we can truly allow the Holy Spirit to lead and control ourself and the decisions that we make, it actually makes room in our spirit for those other flavors to grow. Because again, we're denying what we want and we're obeying and surrendering to what He wants. And with that comes His promises. Write this down for the last one. Self-control is keeping my focus on Jesus. I I believe that this this last little flavor of self-control is actually the characteristic that really answers this question is God truly in charge of my life? Have I really surrendered my way to his? This characteristic of self-control really, really answers that question. Because if I'm not following Jesus, I can still be kind in some situations. For some of you, your personality is just bent that way to to, to, to be more gentle or to be more, more loving. But if I'm not, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and control myself, then, then what is controlling me? Or who is controlling me? I'll tell you this, honestly. It's a recipe for disaster for me to lead me. Trust me. I don't want to be left up to my own devices, my own strength, my own wisdom, my own sense of, of vision and, and what the future should be. If that's left up to me, I'm in serious trouble. I would much rather trust in the promises of God. I would much rather trust in his wisdom, in his grace, in his love, moment by moment. Again, God will give us what we need to, to let this take root if we'll just get out of the way he'll give us strength and courage and boldness to grow in this he he can be that gentle whisper that says i've got this and i've got you trust me as we come to a close i want to tell you just a couple things first is this this is a day by day moment by moment adventure of following him and it is an adventure There are going to be days when I selfishly choose to control myself and I'll struggle with those consequences. There will be days I choose in those temptation moments, in those struggle moments, to surrender it to Jesus, to choose His way. How do I learn to do that? I will tell you, it begins by starting each day in connection and surrender. That's why over and over and over, I I tell you, take some time each day to read God's Word. It's why it's so crucial, because it fills our minds. In other words, it fills our thinking with His presence. That's why I talk about having a quiet moment with God each day, because it allows our focus to come to Him and be reminded of His presence, His grace, and His smile throughout the day, even when things get hard. It allows me to hear his voice. Years ago, I was skiing uh, one time. I don't remember if it was Bear Valley or Dodge Ridge, but I was up there skiing. And I heard someone shouting directions like, mogul to your right, turn left. And I'm thinking, man, someone is being really directive. And I turned around and watched it. And there was someone skiing and uh, two people skiing. And the person in front had this kind of this bib tied on and it said, blind skier. Now, I'm not a good skier when I can see, so I can't imagine doing this blind. But here was this person that was blind. And the person behind them, kind of skiing right in their wake, was telling them, mogul to the left, turn to the right. There's a bump to, I mean, they they were guiding and directing every single step of the way. And this person who was blind wouldn't make a turn, wouldn't make a move without the voice of that guide directing them. Do you know that that's a picture of the Holy Spirit in us? I still have to move. I still have to do the things. I still need to go to work and be in relationship. All those things, that that's where I live. But I'm listening for his voice to guide me moment by moment. In the book of Titus, the Apostle Paul says this, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Let me tell you, I hope and pray that this series on the fruit of the Spirit has given you some opportunities to grow moment by moment, day by day. And I believe as we take steps closer to God during this season, we end up being closer to one another. So as I close, where in your life has self-control been an issue? Where is it that you have said, I'm gonna do this, I've gotta manage it, I've gotta be enough? I wanna pray this week for God to give you strength, to allow you to see his promises and trust those promises, to listen to his whisper throughout the day, to choose his way, his leading, his control, because it truly is the pathway to life and to peace in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you are good towards us. And your desire is not to have us be puppets on a string, but that we would listen, listen to your heart, listen to your desires. We would trust you and follow you. The Lord, just like that blind skier, we're blind too. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We sometimes don't even see the consequences of the choices and the actions that we're doing. We don't, we don't have what it takes, God, so we need you. So we surrender and submit to your will and to your way. And we pray, Lord, that we would have moments each day, throughout each day, to hear your voice, to know your grace, to sense your smile towards us, and that the fruit of your Holy Spirit would continue to take root and grow in us. We love you, and we thank you, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we finish this time, I want you to live this week in God's grace. Live this week in a sense of trust and surrender, knowing that God's got you, and that he loves you, and that he won't let you go. So be blessed and be a blessing.